0: It is the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak. I'm back in the Gold Coast this week. Last week, if you tuned in, Alex joined me on air. And we geeked out about Apple's WWDC 2022. Um, I was fortunate enough to be all the way there. If you'd saw the show, you would have seen that I was standing there in their main center. Not, but one day I'm sure I'll make it there. Anyway, let's get on with today's show, all the usual things. I don't have a guest of the week, um, but I do have uh, some really cool tech and a game this week, our RU game that I've had so much fun with. So let's get into it. What have we got up first? So in things with a Z, this week I'm reviewing J-Lab's Talk TalkGo USB microphone. Now, if you're watching the show, you'll see a picture up on the screen, um, I've actually just put two little pictures up so you can see the underneath as well of the mic. Now I'm going to do something I probably shouldn't do, and I'm hoping this doesn't affect my uh, sound through the next little part of the segment, but I'm just going to lift this up to show you. So it really is small, and I've actually got the Talk Pro over here just to try and give you an idea of the scale. I think I've got it in. It's it's quite a lot smaller, and I'm hoping that the sound is still as good I'm just going to put that back down. Well, actually, before I do, the lights at the bottom are very cool. It shows me, (laughs) I hope this is not super loud. Um, It shows me what I'm, which um, mode I'm in. So blue is when it's facing just the front. And if I push and hold this button here long enough, it will go green, which you won't see because I have a green screen behind me. So the green cancels out, but it is green. Um, That is Omni or, or Surround. Um, I'm going to go back to blue so that I can put it back down. And if I go red, you're about to not hear anything. That was the mute button. So let me just put this back down so that I don't mess with the sound too much, make too many pops. Um, So the reason I'm reviewing this little guy is um, when I was sent the Talk Pro, which I'm now using on the show, and hopefully you and my son, who seems to be my biggest critic, Um, Are having a better sound experience, especially on the podcast side of things. Um, In the box, I did mention that day when I reviewed it that there were a few other little toys that arrived. And this was one of them. Now, I'm someone that is always on the go. I mean, COVID obviously put the brakes on for a lot of us. Um, But, you know, now that we're starting to run around again, this is absolutely incredible little mic. It has a screw that takes it off the stand, compresses into pretty much nothing, you can fit into a laptop bag with the greatest of ease. It's USB-C in and USB-A uh, into your computer. Um, self-powering. It has headphone jacks. It has a volume roll underneath, which actually works not only on the headphone jack, but it actually increases the volume on my Mac as well. Now, that was pretty impressive. Not too many microphones, volume uh, rockers or, or, or scrollers. Are actually designed to control the computer's volume as well they generally work on the headset if you've plugged one in so i have to say you know it's always hard to to do a review on a product when you're actually using it um, or until you use it and the only time i really get to use microphones is when i'm doing podcasts or vodcasts so hopefully the sound is good um jlab talk go usb microphone if you're not familiar with the jlab brand yet then clearly you're very new to my show and you've been living under a rock because these guys are really turning heads they're bringing out quality products at really affordable prices and a lot of innovation goes into it as well the other big thing as well is the packaging is all recyclable and minimized so it's a brand that actually cares um and not just looking at you know Creating great looking products and great looking boxes, and then not worry, not too worried about the environment. So yeah, uh, JLab. Go to go to the SMEMore.org.au and Google uh, just sorry.org and search up JLab. You'll find a link there. I can put a link up as well. Um, I will get a link up in the post show when I do the edits. And um, that would be things with a Z for this week. Right. So on to tech news. The first thing that I had to, to cover this week is Qualcomm's new AR Smart Viewer. Now, this is an augmented reality headset. If you're watching, you can see it kind of looks like a pair of workman's goggles, like if you put those plastic goggles on your face. Um, you know, the arms are quite thick, and that's because all the obviously all the intelligence and processors, and it's made by Qualcomm, so the Qualcomm processor or Snapdragon will be inside there. Um, but it's got quite an impressive spec. So it's it's got two 19020 by 1080 displays, so one on each eye. It's got a 90 hertz refresh rate. Um, my cat sounds really excited at the fact that I'm talking about this. I can hear meowing in the background. Now, what's great about this is that with that refresh rate and using augmented reality or even using it as a virtual monitor, you'll be able to work without any form of motion blur. Some of the previous AR headsets that I've looked at and all reviewed, um, 30, maybe a 60 hertz refresh rate. 90 is kind of where you want to be to make sure that there's no blur or no motion blur. Um, it has front facing cameras, so it tracks your head and hands um, with two monochrome cameras. If you're looking, you'll see those, are the two big things on the side. And there is actually an RGB one as well, which um, allows the headset to do a six degrees of tracking. So forward backward up down left right um this is not vr this is ar i i I still have the need to kind of explain the difference between the two it's very simple vr closes the world around you out and ar augments the world around you by adding information in and the probably one of the best examples is the google glass when they had the little piece that was showing up information and the idea was you know you could be looking at a work of art and the information about that art comes up in your screen so um quite interesting to see this now you know we've all been waiting for apple to launch their augmented reality glasses meta or facebook or whatever you want to call them um they're the owners of, of uh, oculus rift so they've obviously dominate the vr space we've been waiting for a pair of ar glasses from them the only glasses that i've seen that are kind of like like in the commercial space that play in a little bit of an augmented space would be Snap, um, Snapchat. So the Snap holdings have brought out a couple of Snap frames. Um, I think their latest foray is actually a selfie drone, which is using the same concept of taking you in your environment for you. But yeah, very interesting. I will definitely watch this one. Um, You know, Snapdragon is definitely the premium process that goes into most Android phones nowadays. So very interesting to see. Right, moving along um mastercard so they are deciding to forego an actual physical card now that might not seem like such a big thing to you um i mean i i haven't carried physical cards in well forever um everything's on my phone it's all tap and pay um, i have i was actually moaning about this the other day or in fact on the show about the fact that i've moved to queensland uh in new south wales our driver's license used to be on the phone as well they haven't gone that right yet. Um, I have to carry a physical driver's license with me, but the reason I mentioned on the show is that there was about 4 million privacy hacks, uh, on the New South Wales digital driver's license. So maybe not a bad thing that I don't have my, my license on my phone anymore for now. And as you may or may not know, it is only in American. I think it's only in certain States. Apple has done a deal with the department of motor vehicles, the DMV, where they can put the, You can put your license into your Apple wallet. And it is a, an acceptable form of um, identification in those states. So we'll probably see that um, coming out more and more, then they'll roll that into more states and obviously, or hopefully, countries. So, why am I talking about MasterGard? Well, they're giving up the card, but with a wave or a smile, you'll be able to make a payment. Now, that does sound a little bit weird for me. You know, it's one of those, like, have you ever forgotten your wallet at home? And I've just mentioned that doesn't apply to me. Well, actually, it does apply to me. I don't carry my wallet, but I've never left my phone. But let's imagine you've left your wallet at home, you've left your phone at home, or your phone's battery has died, and you don't have an Apple Watch or Google Wear, um, and I you need to buy something. Well, what MasterCard is going to be experimenting with is biometric payments, and that's not your fingerprint. Um, you'll just be able to smile. Um, you'll se- Obviously, you'll set up the biometrics on your device, and you'll veriva- verify it, and all those good things. But then, just clicking a little, well, not clicking a button, sorry, just standing in front of a camera, you will be able to make a payment. Now, this is not a concept. I believe they are going to be piloting this in Brazil. There's a supermarket group there called, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Saint Marche, M-A-R-C-H-E. Um, and apparently they're doing a pilot or will be doing a pilot, um, with this group. So personally, I like it. Um, I do think there's going to be some pushback from shoppers. We're going to have the privacy discussion. We're going to have people taking photos of people's faces and so on, which is exactly what happened when face ID first came out and we've not really heard of any major hacks. Um, I just like the innovation Talk talking about payments and the fact that Google, uh, I mean, Apple will let you put your driver's license in. They actually announced, and I don't know if we mentioned this last week when we did the WWDC 2022 show, but they announced that they're going to be going into the full payments, the buy now, pay later market. So you'll be able to, because Apple does have a credit card, again, I think only an American market for now. But now if you have an Apple Pay card, so a proper Apple credit card, um, you'd now be able to add the buy now, pay later. And I'm pretty sure they're going to roll that out to other people as well. So afterpay Pay, your numbers are already low we've just entered a bear market on the on the stock exchange I'm not a financial broker or advisor but if you're holding afterpay shares or zip Pay, or any buy now pay later share you may want to reconsider that position uh given that apple has access to like a billion people i think it is and they can t- they can just dominate that market straight away at a flick of a switch which is probably going to come out in iOS 16 later on this year. I'm going to stay with banking and payments. And uh, so there was a research done by uh, Marketa and nearly 50% of the people they surveyed said that they would be open to taking a crypto loan. Now, let's just think about that for a second, right? Um, Borrowing crypto for your loan. So let's say you're buying a house and you need a million dollars. That would be a loan of, let's say, uh, well, a couple of months ago, that was 12 Bitcoin, which is about $80,000 a unit. Yeah, so it's about 12 Bitcoin, right? So you take a loan, you get 12 Bitcoin. Now, let's fast forward to last night where the Bitcoin went below the $30,000 mark. What happens? Like, was the loan secured? Did you have to agree on the selling price or purchase price rather of the house in Bitcoin as well. That way it makes no difference what the value of the actual token is at the moment of transaction. Um, Let's just take this downside of the week. I mean, loans don't happen in five minutes, right? So you've applied for a loan in crypto. They grant you the loan, but from the time you applied at 60,000, it's now down to 30,000. You're 50% below what you need. So what actually happens there? Are the loans backed against the fiat, the actual real world value um, that you're borrowing? So in this case, the million dollars, even though you now only have 500,000 or even worse, 33,000. Do you just pay a fixed charge because that's what you agreed on? Um, Or does the deal fall through because you're now 50% short of what you're supposed to get? Very interesting. So again, I'm not against crypto, um, in fact, this is probably a better use for crypto than a, as a, a vessel of wealth or, or, you know, saving, given what's going on at the moment. But it'll be very interesting to see how that actually plays out. And I don't know the answer to that question. I'm sure I could Google it or maybe someone knows and they're listening and they can tell me. Um, just hit up on chat or, I don't know, send me an email, hit me on Twitter, whatever you want to do. I don't really mind. So the other part of my Marketa's survey that was interesting and probably goes into the same place, Right is that 69%, that's almost 70% of the people they surveyed that were NFT, non-fungible token owners, said they would be open to using their NFTs as collateral. Same thing, right? Um, you buy an NFT at a million dollars, and believe me, there's lots in itself for way more than that, um, and then things go wrong in three months, and it's now worth 30000 Does that mean you only have to settle 30000 on your loan? because you've put that up as collateral, or do you still have to pay the um, fiat amount back on it? It actually sounds like it's going to give one a bit of a headache, just trying to work out how to control a virtual crypto-based loan when transacting in a non-crypto environment. And I think that is pretty much the summary of why the world is not really ready for crypto as a mainstream universal global currency. It's nothing against crypto, Um, I hold a couple of coins myself in different currencies and different um, um, coins uh, or tokens. But the point is, is that I did them just for shits and giggles, literally. They weren't investments. I don't see them being investments. And if the last three months have proven anything, just think about that for a second, right? You took a real loan, like lots of people did. You took a second bond on your home and you went and bought 10 Bitcoins 10 months ago at $80,000 right so there's $800,000 three months later your same coins are now does now worth um $30,000 you've lost $50,000 now I can hear people going yes Brett but look at the stock market at the moment well here's the difference right if you owned Apple shares and they've gone down 40 or 50 cents a share I think in the last couple of weeks buy more why It's going to go back up, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next day, maybe only in September after the next iPhone comes out and the sales go through the roof. I don't know. But look at the chart. It goes up, down, up, down, up, down, but it is always going up. And yes, there's huge drop-offs like we're having at the moment, but it comes back. Can't say the same for crypto. It's not based on anything. Crypto is not going to be launching a new, Bitcoin's not launching a new shiny Bitcoin with three cameras and an M1 processor and so on with a USB-C port if the EU gets their way, did get their way. So yeah, um, very interesting. Like it's something I'm going to follow. Um, As I said, if the transaction happens 100% on the blockchain in virtual or cryptocurrency, sure, then the value is irrelevant. But if you're buying a house, which is what you take a loan for, or you're putting something up as collateral because you're taking a loan, because you're purchasing something in the real world um and there you go the voices in my head again what about the meta universe yes what about the meta universe that is 100 percent crypto base it's virtual i'm saying buying a house using a crypto loan or backing it with crypto collateral sounds like it could be a little bit of a scary roller coaster ride looking at the charts right moving along so um Yes, our friends over at Tesla, their head, Mr. Musk, no, this is not about Twitter. Um, he has now said in an email to all company employees that everyone at Tesla is now required to spend, I love this part, a minimum of 40 hours in the office per week. Now, let's just stop there for a second, right? And working week is 40 hours. So that's just a polite way of saying you will now be back at the office, Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. That's what he's saying. And if you don't show up, we will assume you have resigned. So I think we're going to start to see some Tesla riots in the future. Um, The only warning I can say is that, you know, generally Elon does what Elon says he's going to do, coffee break. So um, if he says that he's going to take your absence as a resignation, it's a resignation. So anyone out there that's looking or asking, how do you get a job at Tesla? Well, I was going to say, you might get your dream soon. Just basically be prepared to show up. Um, and for all the people that do work at Tesla, uh, I would listen to him. I don't think he's joking. If he wants you there, he wants you there. So good luck with that. And I mean, this is on the basis of, you know, Apple tried to get their staff back, and their staff said no, and they capitulated. Google tried the same thing, and their staff said no, and they capitulated. Elon doesn't really capitulate. So let's see what happens and how many people now soon be not working at Tesla anymore. Google TV app now on iOS. Now, this is exciting. As an iPhone user and someone who is very entrenched in the Apple environment, um, I actually have, and I've reviewed on the show, the Google Chromecast with TV. And I love it. It's a great device. I use it on my second TV, not on my main TV. Um, I've even paired it with the Google speaker that I have in my home, so I get really cool sound that comes from the speaker as opposed to the little TV. In fact, it's not even a TV now, I think, but it's a monitor. So um, why is this great news? Well, I can now get the Google TV on my phone. Now that means the scheduling, the recommendations, all the things that you get from the Google TV app, which is very similar to what Apple TV does, right? is now available on my iOS devices, which it hasn't been for now. But the real most important thing about this is that it actually acts as a remote control for an Android TV or a Google Chromecast-based TV. So if you've got a TV that has Android built in, you don't need the Google Chromecast edition, little extra dongle for TV um, or the remote. Now you can just use your iPhone and you can control it from your phone. So, because you can't actually do it properly from the normal TV remote. It just, it's quite buggy and bit iffy depending on the brand, but it's not a great experience. So very stoked about that. It's really good news Um, and coming, given how much cold weather is and more bin watching we're going to be doing. um, Oh, okay. So I have got one more. I was just looking to see Spotify. So they made an announcement now they've just had their also like a developers conference or something like that that they're going to be entering the audiobook market. And that does make sense given that they have 400 million listeners. Um I'm sure they'll be able to convert quite a few people from competing services like Audible or I don't know, Audible, Kindle, I don't know. Audiobooks would be Audible, right? Not Kindle. Yes. And I don't know of too many other audiobook services. So this is a tech on Amazon which will be interesting to see how they respond with regards to supporting the app within their os but anyway for now this is about spotify now you may or may not know but there actually are currently audiobooks on spotify if you go into the search and just type audiobooks you'll actually see there's a list but it is terribly buggy it is a horrible user experience um i remember there was one book i can't remember which book i stumbled on i thought I'd, i'd listen to it just played the previews and if you neon gods that was it but if you wanted to watch it you had to select shuffle and then keep shuffling until you get to the chapter it it just was horrific um that's it it's there and i don't know if all of the books are like that you know there might be some that are just set as one book without chapters which again is a problem because if you have a reading regime and it's one chapter a day well it's a bit difficult when all 12 chapters are condensed so um not sure when this feature is coming out and you know with with all big software and and apps they generally would have a alpha beta phase then they'll do the public beta and then we'll launch so probably closer towards the end of the year um which gives time to the amazons and other world to um, start thinking about what they may or may not need to do now given that um, there's going to be another competitor that already has 400 million users and i think that takes us to the end of it. What do we have next? Ha, are you game? So I did say at the start of the show that I was super excited about this week's game. So with no further ado, this week's game is called Creeks. Now, Creeks is not new. It came out in 2020. It won the Czech game of the year. The lab or well, the design studio is not new to games in any way, shame or form. It's from Amanita Design. These are the, the, the same studio that brought us um, Machinarium and Summerost. Summerost, I think we're up to three at the moment. I didn't play the first two, but I did play three. They—they they really, really beautiful games. The the thing with this studio is it's all about the design. Now, if you're watching the show not listening to it, I've put one of the landing pages that come up in the adverts, and you can see the, the premise of the game is it's a puzzler, so there's no instructions. The only time any form of guidance appears is just to tell you to move left or right or you know, jump up or engage the object. It, it just puts up a little screen of a phone and shows you these two virtual buttons appear when there is something to do. That's the only hint you get. There's no instructions, there's nothing else. But you're this little dude that's sitting at his desk. In fact, I think I've got the picture as well. There it is there. So this is how the game starts off. If you're listening, I'll describe it. Little dude sitting at his desk, got this light on, the light starts flickering, And you get up and you walk there and you just touch the light bulb and it stops flickering and you sit down again and then it starts flickering again. And then each time it starts flickering, something else happens. The wallpaper starts to melt and eventually a door is exposed. And so it's like an Alice in Wonderland type thing, right? And you bend down and you crawl through this door space um, and you land up in this world and I said if you're watching you can see what i'm going to try and describe these multi layers that you've got to go down and there's ladders and there's just things trying to kill you like all good games but as i said this is a puzzler game um and you know with all puzzlers the idea is obviously to get from a to b and figure it all out right the thing with this one is that it's just so beautifully designed it has got such brilliant design and animation and graphics Um, it's 3.7 gigs is what it took to download on my iPhone. So it's not a small game by any way, shape or form. But if you've played any of the other games that I mentioned, those aren't small games either. Um, you can solve it. I haven't solved it yet. And I'm still featured as my game of the week because of what I'm playing at the moment. Now, unfortunately, um, it's not available on Android but it is available on Steam, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, and of course, Apple Arcade, which is generally what I've been using for my um, RU Game Reviews. I've got the I've got the Apple Arcade subscription. I might as well have an excuse to, uh, to use it. Um, it really is. Uh, thanks, Michael. I got a thumbs up. I don't know if he's played the game or not, um, but it really is an amazing game. And it's just the soundtrack on this game is so beautiful. It's got this eerie soundtrack, a little bit of, like orchestral thing. I actually thought the one song sounded very, very similar to um, one of the tracks that you and Stranger Things, um, maybe on purpose, maybe to elicit that response. I don't know. But absolutely beautifully made, wonderful gameplay. And, and Machinarium, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Machinarium. Um, and Summerost were exactly the same. Those were more adventure games, and just to quickly just dis- just the two, be- the, the difference between the two, right? An adventure game is you go on an adventure, and you, there's things that you have to do, and you engage. It's more of an open world type of game, and you can see things, and sometimes you don't see things, you get you you miss them. Um, but with a puzzler, you cannot progress. You can go backwards sometimes. Uh, and I say sometimes because I've played a few puzzles where you can't. But you cannot progress until you solve that puzzle. And it might be something simple like I'm going to give you a clue if you ever play the game. There's a dog and you've got to figure out how to make the that's a robot dog. You've got to make it come after you and then run away and around and behind it. There's the clue. And then you can you can carry on. And it took me a little bit of time to figure that out. And even just to get into this world, which I'm not going to tell you, it was it it required a little bit of figuring out and playing, and I said nothing happens until you figure the puzzle out. Um, you could probably sit down and crush it in a couple of hours. I don't think the the extent of the puzzle is that long. I don't know. This is one of the games that I do think I will finish. There's not many games that I have finished, but it. Um, I mean, I showed Cade as well. I said to him, "Hey, mate, just have a look at the graphics," and he's like, "Wow, that's really cool." You know, and this is someone who plays big epic games. So, um, yeah, Creeks um, is my all-you-game feature of the week. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, if you don't have Apple Arcade, then I said it's on one of the other platforms. I don't think it's an expensive game. If you're a PC gamer, you can get on PC as well. They so said you can get through Steam. Um, I assume it will work on Mac as well, given that they obviously an Apple Arcade developer. I actually played Machinarium. Uh, on Mac. So I'm pretty sure you'd be able to get it on Mac or via the Steam engine for Mac. Uh, yeah, so have a look. Right, I think that brings us to Q&A. Now, this one was an interesting one. I go, like, are there any questions? I actually saw this question come up, I think it was last week for the show. So I apologize, and I hope I still can can, can answer the question for you. But last week, all we did was geek out on, on uh, Apple's WWDC. So the question that was asked is, what can a virtual assistant do for me? Now, I think I need to unpack that first of all, because the first thing that I thought of, and maybe that's where the confusion comes in, there's actually a difference between a virtual assistant and an AI assistant. So many years ago, I used an AI system, which no longer exists, called Amy. And what an AI assistant does is it manages your schedule. So it, some of them can manage the email part of setting up a schedule or diary, um, others just manage the schedule. In other words, they have a calendar or booking facility, and you send the link um, to whoever you want to have a meeting with, and it has a little bit of intelligence behind it. Like, if they say coffee, they know you've already pre-programmed your favorite coffee shop, so it will make the meeting at your favorite coffee shop, or if it's drinks, your favorite pub, and so on and so on, but not much beyond that. Now, I said I used one many years ago called Amy. Amy was actually acquired. The company was acquired, AR. Um, by a company that does it, virtual events, so they wanted that calendar function that they could then put into the events, and that's obviously why they bought the intelligence of what Amy was. So if it's a if it's an AI assistant that the question is actually leaning towards, not much. I actually use one at the moment called Calendar Hero, and every morning I get a nice summary of my day. So I get an email that says, "Hi Brett, today the weather is X wherever I am. Um, you've got X number of meetings." And what's really nice inside this this, um, email is the link. So let's say I'm having a meeting with, well, Michael said hello. So Mike and I are having a meeting. It will have his name there with a hyperlink. And if I click on it, any information that's been found on his LinkedIn profile, his Twitter handle, things that might have been gone from his email signature has actually been included there. So I can actually remind myself who Michael is. Uh, I can read his LinkedIn profile. Which could be really cool for a meeting, right? Because when you go into a meeting and you see that Michael's a huge gaming fan, then you can sit there and talk about Creeks because it's you know it's an icebreaker, it's something that he's interested in. So Calendar Hero is quite good. They have a free service and then they have pro versions which do more, and so on and so on. Uh, but if you're talking about a virtual assistant, well, virtual assistants are real people. Um, I think the only real difference with a virtual assistant, that's why I thought maybe the question was actually aimed at ar a virtual assistant is just someone that works for you but doesn't work for you full time um and they can do a lot more right they can do whatever you need them to because they are like having your own pa your personal assistant but because they're virtual you don't pay their salary you they, they give you so many hours in a week or a month or whatever the agreement is they'll answer your phone if you have business with that, a dedicated number they'll answer and say hey welcome to the technology show and so on and so on but they are real humans and they do work that any human can do and that's what you pay for depending on their skill set uh and so on so i hope i've answered the question i said i really like this question because i actually as i said use an ai um as assistant and not to actually book my meetings then anymore but more just to give me a summary i can use calendar hero i can send the link out and you know Predetermine a couple of places that I, I would be my favorite places. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers the question. Um, that will then bring us to the end of the show, I'm sure. Yep, it does. So, um, yeah, Elon Musk might be looking for for new staff soon if you're living in uh, well, I was gonna say San Francisco, I think that's the factory. I think the main office is actually in Austin, in Texas. Um, so. If you're looking for a job and you're in Austin, Texas, start watching the job boards for Tesla. If you're looking for a game, you know everyone started traveling again now. I think Creeks would be the absolute perfect um, traveling game. If you, especially if you're playing on Apple Arcade, you can be offline. So yeah, that's the show and uh, that takes us to the end. So until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny.